You are listening to the Guitar Heroes Podcast. Well, welcome to the Guitar Heroes Podcast. How are you all doing? Very well, thanks, Chris. Yeah, g- good, good. Was that a good I opener? Was that okay? I, I <laughs> didn't know who you were talking. Are you talking to us or are you talking to the three people that listen to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> we started today's by saying that Chris is going to take the reins of this episode. And uh, so so it's over to Chris for the intro. Okay, well, and already um, we've taken over. <laughs> <laughs> it's going well, it's going well. Over to you, Chris. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. Yes. Okay. okay, another word. Okay, well, we briefly touched upon this last in the last couple of episodes, actually. But um, Guitar Hero of the Day. And uh, we're going to put that over to Van Halen. Ooh. Okay. And uh been doing a little bit of research, but um my opinion is since Hendrix, perhaps the last true guitar hero, I mean everyone's gonna have their own opinions, but um but obviously I've got a few points that maybe we can touch upon as a discussion and um and kind of go from there. So um I'd l- I'd like to touch upon your points, Chris. Yeah. Okay, would you? I like yeah, the way Chris yeah. has just jumped straight in. <laughs> we said Chris is going to jump straight in. in. And absolutely, <laughs> and absolutely no foreplay there, Chris. Is that you've gone straight for the uh, meat and veg? Nice one. Give him three like minutes, it. and he'll be wrapping up. He said, "Thanks for listening to this <laughs> podcast." <laughs> the trouble is, our podcasts are like you know they're going on like two hours. I think. I know so, we're um, gonna we're gonna make this one intentionally a little bit shorter after last week's mammoth with uh, Alan, and this is a drum-free zone this week, so. Yeah. It's probably it going to be shorter, mainly due to my rubbish internet connection today. Can we also just point out that Phil is currently wearing a dressing gown, which I think needs to be on record so that people can get the full idea of this. Well, this uh, actually, should we, like should, we, should we jump into Phil's, uh, Phil's rant? Should we, should we do that now? Do you, do you want to get let's it over Let's do it. With? I, w- I, w- I want to get it over. I want to get straight into it. Okay, <laughs> okay. Let's do Phil's rant. Cue the music. Phil's rant. Phil's rant. Okay, yeah. So there's a reason... Why? Uh, why I'm I'm in my pajamas today? Why I'm in my dressing gown and everything? Uh, that's because I have to self-isolate. Oh, um, what? Yeah, I've got to self-isolate. Um, so what happens is I've got to have a procedure at the hospital um, on Wednesday, right. which is actually tomorrow. Um, so Sunday, it's Tuesday now, by the way. Um, so Sunday, I had to go for a COVID test. You know, the old drive-through uh-huh. COVID tests where they stick the cotton bud up your bum and then in your nose and things like that okay yeah, yeah. in that order um, uh yes it was yeah yeah <laughs> lastly they, lastly did it around my tonsils and lastly which i thought <laughs> well, that's can't be right anyway um so <laughs> so, so yeah i i've so i've now got to self-isolate for three days um so i just thought well what's the point getting dressed what's the point <laughs> There's, there's no there's no point. Nobody's going to see me apart from my wife, and she doesn't really look at me anymore anyway. So uh, what's the point? And so anyway, yeah, the kind of rant is um, I've got to go for a gastroscopy. I can never say that word. Basically, right. I've got to have a camera shoved down. I've had this before, um, and it didn't go well, I must admit. So I'm, I'm getting knocked out for it this time because I don't want to hear all the gargling and things mm. that goes on when you have one of those. So my main th- thing for this is... I've got a really bad acid reflux and I've had it for a long time and I've been on uh, Omoprazole tablets for yeah. probably 15, 18 years, something like that, which is not a good thing to be on. No, no. Now, 
I think the re- what's the reason? Why have I got this problem? And I think it's because after gigs, I used to go and have kebabs and curries and and things like that. And you think at one point I was doing like two hundred gigs a year, and you know it seems a bit weird now, doesn't it? Saying I used to gig two hundred gigs a year, <laughs> used to do two gig. a year what's a minute, can we? <laughs> yeah, gig. What's, what's a gig? So so. It's annoying me. I mean, food's getting better on the road, okay? Mm. There are lots more of these, um, uh, I don't know what they're called, but they're these in services you get these fancy, where you get a lettuce leaf and a cucumber and yeah, pay I know what you mean. for it. I know what yeah, you mean. Yeah, that, that's it. So you get these, now that's good, all right, they're expensive, but, you know, what's open on a night after a gig? Chuffing McDonald's. I hate McDonald's, okay? I'm a vegetarian, and you go into McDonald's, you can either have a spicy bean burger, a spicy wrap, or chips and cheese. Now, I went, I did a gig a few weeks ago. We were starving, so I we went to this McDonald's. I was like, oh, no, must we? But it's all the word. We didn't get any dinner at the venue or anything because of apparently this COVID thing. You're not even allowed to eat with public or anything anymore. Mm. So, um, so yeah, we went to this McDonald's. I said... Um, Nothing on the menu for me. And I, I said, oh, is it, is it vegetarian? Oh, we don't do vegetarian anymore. What? I'm like, oh, right. So chips and cheese again, is it? And, and I'm like, it's really annoying. Why didn't somebody have, like, something really good on a night? Why do people, you know, everyone's going on about, oh, you must be healthy and, and everything like that. And the only thing you can eat late at night is McDonald's or KFC yeah. or something rubbish like that. And I think that's what's destroyed my insides. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> well, on that note, McDonald's were giving out free cheeseburgers yesterday, and I actually went down and got one. <laughs> they have but... to give it away now. It's such crap. <laughs> but no, you are right. This is a thing that we we we've actually found ourselves getting a little bit addicted at, th- at at points. I think, haven't we? Because because it is the only option when you're on the road and you come out of a gig mm. at eleven o'clock, eleven thirty. McDonald's is the only thing that's open particularly mm. for us when we're traveling on you know, motorways and we're leaving one venue and we're heading straight two hours in another direction. Our yeah. only option for food when we're starving is McDonald's. And it's a really difficult thing to plan on the day because you tend to go on stage right when you'd normally be having like an evening meal. Yeah. And I find that the appetite tends to disappear a little bit before the show because you're getting excited, you're getting kind of anxious and and pumped up. And also it's not good to eat immediately before you go on stage. So we try and eat maybe half past four or five o'clock. Then you Mm. put a two-hour show in the middle. You're naturally going to be absolutely famished when you come off stage, aren't you? And we all launch out into the night in search of food and inevitably end up at the Golden Arches. I mean, you can do do like an eight-hour shift you know, but like you say, sometimes we don't even eat at five o'clock. We eat earlier than that. I like to eat as early as possible purely because I don't want to barf up a sausage roll on stage as I'm singing. It's not a pretty sight, you know. So you got to you got to kind of plan your day and you go right, okay. And then you put in your work hours. All right. Now people say, oh yeah, it must be great just doing two hours playing on stage. There's a lot more to it than that. Trust mm. me. And that's another podcast. And you know, I think it in is. itself. But um. Yeah, so by the time 11 o'clock, you know, well, we come off stage at about what, 10 to 10, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, we're, you know, we're in the bus ready for going and we're starving. You've done a day's work. Yeah. You yeah. know, and you've got to eat at that time of day and all you've got is, is, is crappy McDonald's. I'm sorry, I'm quite annoyed about that. I don't like McDonald's. The thing yeah. is, you can prep um, food to take with you for after shows, but 
is having a hot meal. I think um, I, I really mm. just something hot. I think it, something something substantial rather than like you know a tin of beans, which is what I had done for a while. <laughs> mm. Mm. It just doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't fill that hole for me. So, um, but yeah, a McDonald's is unfortunately um, one of the only options that delivers hot food at that time of day. And mm. Mm. I mean, Burger um, King, I suppose, ain't much better. But they've made the effort. They're doing the halloumi burgers, and they're doing like a, a plant-based burger. Um, which you know, for, oh, obviously, right, okay. there's probably more meat eaters than vegetarians. These, you know, even today. But um, so they're making the effort, and they, but they're not open. You know? No, no. McDonald's has got it sewn up, hasn't it? Because it's that twenty-four hour thing, and you know, we yeah. don't even have to plan it. We know that within fifteen minutes on a drive, we're going to pass a McDonald's. They've, they've yes. just—they've absolutely thought of everything. But ah, it is... until you really want to look for one, and then you can't find one anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until we actually decide. We, we've normally had three days off. We've gone. We've been really good. We're not going to. We're not going to eat any junk, and then we're going to go right, lads. We're going to treat ourselves tonight, and then we cannot find one for love and money. <laughs> <laughs> I think secretly inside I'm going, yes, good. <laughs> so that fills around. Anything more to say on that? Uh, no, no, that that's it. Um, I do not want to be endorsed by McDonald's. Um, McDonald's. You, you can shove that up your golden arch. I'm not interested. Okay. Thank you very much. Right. But I would be happy to have, like, you know, the old... Uh, some of the things you've uh, touched upon um, I yeah. think would be good for a, a later podcast anyway. I think um, some, good th- some good stuff in there, I think. Uh, Food on the road. Out. Send us your suggestions, maybe. If there's anyone listening Mm -hmm. at home that's got some good suggestions of um, healthier options when travelling on the road, then please, we're all ears. Please let us know. Stay at home is not an option. No. We can take portable barbecues with us, you know, (laughs) bring a chef along or something. uh... (laughs) Oh, Dick. I like like the the, one you said. On the side of the road, frying some bacon or something. He's vegetarian. 25 or something. Hey? He's vegetarian. Bacon ain't going to be what he wants. Oh no! Oh, there's, there's lots of good options. If you can take your own stuff, um, there's loads of good options. In fact, Richmond have just brought a sausage out now. Well, it might have been. Oh mate, while, Richmond veggie sausages are amazing. They uh, taste can, just yeah. like the real deal. Yeah, yeah. This is there's another thing as well here. Sorry, I'm, I will be over with this in no, a second. No, it's fine. This no, no, is this great. Is good. This is good. <coughs> but the, the other thing is, um, a lot of people say, "Oh, if you're vegetarian, why are you trying to replace? Why are you trying to, you know, re- replace meat type thing? Why are you trying to? Why do you still want a sausage? And mm. why do you still want bacon?" Well, I love meat. Meat tastes bloody lovely. Okay, mm. I'm not going to deny that. I've been a veggie for over two years, or nearly two years now. And yet meat is lovely. It tastes fantastic, you know, and it gives you vitamins that you need. And that I'm not disputing that. Mm. I just don't want to murder animals. That's that's my big thing. I'm even changing my guitar straps to vegan ones. Um, so, yeah, that's it. I'm not saying I, I, I don't like not like the taste of meat. Yeah, I love the taste of meat. I just don't want to go through that whole process to get that's meat. Fair enough. You know, I don't want that's And I don't force it on people either. That's just my... That was my thing. Well, I didn't think that 15 minutes into a podcast we would be here talking about Richmond vegetarian sausages and Phil's <laughs> vegan straps. <laughs> I think we can officially say that Chris's intro has been somewhat derailed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's Chris that said, okay, then let's get Phil's rant out of the way. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, now Chris can start working through his list. Chris, over to you. <laughs> okay, let's, ju- let's, let's jump into Chris's, Chris's corner, shall we? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, okay. There we go. Chris's corner. Cue the music. Okay, so um, before I was, um, I was not rudely interrupted. 
we actually went on to a good discussion there, but um, briefly speaking about Van Halen mm. as hero of the day, shall we say? Yeah. Um, but I brought up an argument, a potential argument or a discussion for us to have about him potentially being, since Hendrix, the true last guitar hero. And I think um, the reason being is because he had a, a mixture of technique, uh, songcraft, and a meticulous approach to shaping his tone and, and image. Um, mm. So the first point that comes to mind with Van Halen is two-handed tapping. Yeah, I think, um, yeah. you know, since since Hendrix, you know, he uh, he basically, I, I suppose, threw away the rule book and, and reinvented it. In, mm. in his own image and one of the things was two-handed tapping does anyone want to give us a demo of that because i know in a, in a previous podcast there haven't been any playing well this, so is, like, this, is, this is chris's go on phil you we're do. not supposed you, to be interrupting uh, yeah, yeah that's fine we're, we're gonna interrupt like, with guitars there oh okay i see okay. you're gonna do a real feeble attempt at two-handed tapping you ready Let's Oh, oh yeah, that was a bit of Van Halen. Oh, lovely. <laughs> that, that was on my strap, so it'd be out of tune for a week now. <laughs> you got, does, does anybody else go on, Chris? I know you. Have you got anything tappy wise? Um, I don't know actually. Uh, I, I know a little bit of eruption. I think something like that. I don't know. Oh, I'm, I'm not yeah. like a. I'm not a. Uh, a two-handed tapping sort of guy, I don't think. I, I used to years ago when I was uh, working on Van Hay, uh, Steve Vai material, but mm. Um, mm. but now when I get pick up the Strat, it just doesn't seem to kind of cool that sort of playing to me. That was the first time I yeah. uh, was the first time I think I really heard tapping, and I guess we should maybe just explain because obviously there's going to be guitar players listening, but maybe there might be some non-guitar players listening. But mm -hmm. finger tapping is that thing that you've you've probably seen if you check it out on YouTube, where instead of using a plectrum to pick the string. You you fret with your left hand, but you reach across with the right hand, and you literally tap the fretboard, and it it gives you this really kind of smooth sound that is um, well, it's impossible to create with a pick, and it it, it means yeah. that you can make stretches and shapes and reach across um, across the it, notes in yeah, in bigger exactly. ranges than you'd ever be able to with one hand. Essentially, I think there was uh, I think there was evidence of it being around before. Eddie Van Halen wasn't there. There was there's this famed was there like some sort of gypsy jazz player or classical player? Um, oh, I think you're right here. actually. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I've, yeah. Se I've seen yeah. a few articles. I should probably look into it more because I forget the chap's name. But there's uh, evidence of it being around. But certainly in the rock and metal and you know electric guitar mm. genre, then uh, I think Eddie Van Halen is the the original Absolutely. proponent. That's who you think of, isn't it? When you think of yeah. tapping, that's straight away you think of old uh, Eddie Van Halen and yeah. he definitely set the um the pathway for guitar players like Vi to follow because I know there's a really good interview with Steve Vi talking about him here hearing Van Halen for the first time you know doing his tapping and you know he necessarily mm. didn't want to copy it but kind of do his own thing with it but you know uh, I, I yeah most likely with someone before Van Halen but obviously everyone just jumps at Van Halen when they think of two-handed tapping mm. if you're a guitarist especially well I but remember the first time pitfalls of zoom i was going to say anybody that um like the non-guitar players out there that are not familiar with the tapping or the sound or what it what that is um the beat it solo michael jackson's beat it solo if you listen to the if you listen to that there's, there's the tapping um on that solo which is uh 
Basically, listen for the actually, really fast, clever bit. <laughs> it's actually not tapping, Phil. Oh, is it not? No. Uh, there, there is there there's a mo- there is a period uh, there is a moment of tapping the song, but the the big stretches he does up here actually it's all hammer-ons. Oh, blimey. and I, I okay. literally I it's such a big stretch to do. I I I always tap it. I, I've done that song a few times on a, a few gigs, and for me to actually play, I I just I just tapped it because that's what it sounds like in my head. It mm. sounds mm. sounds like it's tapped, and that's the yeah. impression tapping gives you. It's almost that legato sort of feel that. You hear that with like you know guitar players like Santana, but obviously the range of notes is a lot larger with with tapping, makes it more accessible. But yeah, that I think the part you're talking about is uh, actually all hammer-ons. Well, uh, two which... things there: disclaimer, don't listen to a bloody word I say, and uh, secondly, <laughs> doesn't that show what a monster Eddie Van Halen is? Insane, absolutely, yeah. absolutely that, incredible. But that's 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 the perfect example actually for anyone who's not not necessarily a guitar player or is not overly familiar with Eddie Van Halen's work within mm. the band Van Halen, I'm sure they will be familiar with Michael Jackson's Beat It. And if you've mm. ever heard that fantastic guitar solo that creeps up in the middle of it, that is Ed. And that is, he, he yeah, put he his stamp on that plays song. The, yeah, he only plays the solo on that song. I think Steve Lukather wrote that Steve song, Lukather. didn't he? And plays the, the riffs in, in the song. And Correct. Mm. Correct. Um, yeah. I don't know if he wrote it. Uh, nice he wrote the part. He wrote the guitar part for oh, it. Oh, okay. Uh, and actually, I think Lucas played bass on it as well. Mm. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. I've got um, I've got the the gospel according to Luke, which is a really good book if anybody uh, um, is into Toto or well, anybody just into music or guitars. Just li- get the um, gospel according to Luke. The Steve Lucas the biography is fantastic. But don't if you no, if you don't like bad language, then don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great book. I've read it twice. I think mm. you're right, Chris. I think um, in terms of the influence that Eddie, you know, put out into the world and the players that we have after, his playing aside, I think that is one of the most significant things about any one guitar hero is who we have today because of their existence. So all of these massive icons, whether it be going back to Hank Marvin and then Jimi Hendrix, Eddie Van Halen, and moving through, you have these icons amongst icons that if we didn't have those individual players i mean how many guitar players would we not have if we didn't have hank marvin we wouldn't have brian mm. may for instance no yeah, we exactly. wouldn't have phil walker um <laughs> you, you know and and the same goes for Jimi hendrix how many players today would we not have or who would look very very different if we didn't have Jimi hendrix and i think mm. ed falls into that category how many people would we not have or how many bands and songs would be so different today had those guitar yeah. players not heard Eddie Van Halen's mm. work because 1978 that's when the first album came out you have to think what it was coming out in amongst at that time yes there was lots of rock music but you listen to that album and it still sounds modern there's still elements of mm. production and particularly guitar tone because I think that's where he was Really, that's, a a, that's the next point I wanted to jump onto. Well, was, there we um, go, Chris. Over to you. There we go. Lovely segue. Um, guitar tone and effects. And I know he's very meticulous with this. He's almost like um, a bit of a scientist, like Einstein as a guitar player or something, you know, where mm-hmm. he would be messing around with mods on amplifiers and, and it's especially the voltage on amps using the, the Variac, which mm. would play a big part in his sounds. It almost created like um, a big, uh, more of a squashy and compressed tone. I think it's known as the brown sound. The brown sound, that's yes. right. And actually, um, 
Um, Brown sound is oh. a very different thing in the band van. <laughs> in the band van, if someone says brown sound, <laughs> it's time to evacuate. <laughs> yeah, you should, well, she usually wears owls there, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, it's right you're saying about that, Chris. And would you say yeah. that uh, maybe Eddie Van, you know, that people have these super strats now, don't they? You know, the, the, especially through the 80s, they had what they called a super strat. And maybe Eddie Van Halen was. Uh, Maybe he sort of was a was a catalyst to that. Maybe he he started the super strat. I think he was one of the first to really bring modifications and the idea of customizing your equipment. So, like Chris has said, mm-hmm. his marshals that he was using they were modified. He was messing with the internal voltages to change the sound. Um, he was using bits of equipment. He would carry his Echoplex around and use that. That yeah. that was probably prior to that a studio um, item. But it, for Ed, it became something that he used live and then the guitar itself the frankenstrat the frankenstein guitar which Mm. if you just google an image of it check it out it's one of the most heavily cobbled together modified guitar it it appeared in various different formats over the years and before that i don't know whether there was really a culture these days there's a a massive culture of modifications and modifying your equipment swapping out pickups and customizing it before Ed was there, was there that? Were, were guitar mm. players doing that? I don't know that that really was a thing. Well, you had so. Les Paul. I'm aware of. I mean, Les Paul. He, he, yeah, he, but I, I see him more as a more as an inventor. You know, he was he mm. was starting from scratch and coming up with things out of the blue. Whereas mm. I think Eddie really pushed that idea of taking things that are out there, but then adjusting them, tweaking them. Like you say, the one pickup guitar. How many one pickup guitars were there before mm. Eddie? I mean, obviously you had. Les Paul Juniors and stuff, but his wasn't a one pickup guitar. It was a guitar that he pulled the other pickups out because he liked the sound of a single pickup. He so shoved the selector a... switch in the, where the middle pickup would have been just because he somewhere to put it. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is hilarious. <laughs> but you know, a pioneer of guitar sounds as well. So instead of as as well as uh, you know uh, techniques and you know setting a benchmark for other players to to follow or aspire to. He was pushing tonal, um, you know, pushing the, the guitar sounds and tones as well. Mm. Um, so, well, we got the Variac um, guitar modifications and mm. modifications, obviously, with the Variac. Oh, talking about the Variac, uh, Rick Beato does a really good video on YouTube about that. I think okay. it's titled The Brown Sound mm. uh, with uh, another fellow guitarist called Rhett Scholl. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, a really good video. And they, they basically try to recreate that Van Halen sound using the Variac. It's really interesting. Mm. It's when you look at pictures through the 80s uh, of Eddie Van Halen's gear, there's racks and racks of stuff in there. You look backstage, there's probably like 10 marshals or something like that, and then there's a like, rack yeah. full of uh, effects and what have you. And then, you know, you see another another clip with Eddie Van Halen. He's got a marshal, his guitar, and uh, a phase pedal. <laughs> yeah, very true. Oh, actually, the the, the, phase, the phase 90 as well. Is it MXR, is it? Yeah, or, that's um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that was a big part of his sound as well. Um, I don't actually have one set up in my uh, my stomp. I'm going through a HX stomp today, I think. Um, mm. um, but I could probably um, probably get one on just to kind of give you an idea of the sound. Yeah, 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 do it, do it. It was a signature part of his sound, as well as his technique and his just touch and the way he played the guitar. He used key ingredients, certainly mm. in those first few albums, that was mm. the modded Marshall high gain humbucker pickup and then the echoplex plate reverb and the face which chris can hopefully show us yeah well uh, i've got uh, just the sound without 
misses with probably uh, t uh, too heavily mixed in there. But well, I think the key to get the to get the Eddie sound is to set the rate really low. So he wanted it just to have this slight shimmer, this slight movement, so that when he played lead parts, it would just jump out of the mix slightly. So instead of it going, it would just move very slowly. I think I've got yeah. it there. Yeah, that's better. And you kind of hear it in the tapping as well. It's almost, um, let me... Uh... You can almost hear it taking effect almost. Mm, yeah, um, and that's uh, influences as well. I mean, look at Brian May. You know, he he's he's had yeah. that he's got that similar sort of sound, doesn't he? You know, with the effects. I think he uses chorus, but he's used phase as well. And you know, who influenced who there? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, absolutely. Um, but you hear I, it a lot. Like, um, sorry, Phil. You know what? I didn't think I was a, a, a Van Halen. I wouldn't say fan. I wasn't a Van Halen super fan. But then, the more you start thinking about it, the more you know this about it. This is the him. thing. <laughs> exactly. I'm literally digging into it just for this podcast. I'm like, my God, he's he's done so much. It's it's, it's unreal. And um, did you know he was born so in the Netherlands? Yes. Was he? He yeah, was born I, I in the know. Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I'm <laughs> I, no, I think I think you're right though. I think that um, most guitar players, whether they modern guitar players, wh whether they feel like they're heavily into Eddie Van Halen or not, they mm. probably are. Kind of through osmosis, you know, th it's filtered down through so many guitar players that actually you think, oh, I'm really into this guy, and then if you look into it, oh, okay, well, he was influenced by this guy. Oh, and he was a massive Eddie Van Halen nut. You know, he his he just changed the landscape. And I think he was yeah. the first, one of the first real guitar nerds that came out and was so into the music, but also so into just honing his sound and perfecting his thing that yeah. it was the full package. It was writing songs, the playing, but it was also that dedication to getting the best guitar sounds that he could. And that's where the modifications came in. And obviously since then, it's now the norm. It's almost rare to find a guitar player other than maybe the early 90s when you had the grunge scene and all of that, really, outside of that, most people now view that with such, a, such an importance because if you're delivering your, your art, your message, your music, then the way in which it's conveyed, i.e. the sound, the tone, that's such an important part. And that's is, where yeah. we've got this whole guitar industry from, all these variations, all these... You know, back in the 60s, if you wanted a Strat, it was like, well, do you want a Sunburst one or do you want a maybe a white one or a red one or something? <laughs> or, you know, you want an effects pedal, what do you want? You want a fuzz box or a wah? These I think days, that would have suited me and Chris, actually. I think we're, we're both, we're, <laughs> you know, we're, we're building a, build a patch on the Helix. What's the first thing I do? My AC15 model, always go there. It's always the same thing. And we're like that, Chris, aren't we? We just, we kind of <laughs> like the simplicity of things. I like, what's the I first have, thing I do? Pick my strata. All my patches are basically <laughs> either, a, uh, actually, I have a Vox, actually. I think it sounds great on the Helix, actually, the Vox. Mm, mm. Um, but yeah, I, I've got like a Marshall and a Fender is like my go-to. Kind of sound, yeah, that might yeah. be true, but I can still see behind Phil. There's about thirty guitars <laughs> hanging on the wall, and there's a giant guitar rack with so you know effects pedals and lights. All running for an AC15, and I don't think <laughs> yeah. it's far fetched to say that all of that has you know Ed's influence has filtered into that as well. Let's not forget that he also was heavily into the manufacturing side of things. He got mm. involved with PV, 
um, and obviously later founded his own company, EVH, alongside Fender, mm. so that he could really let that creative side of him flourish in the music retail industry. He had his name stamped all over products. And there's all these stories that say that when um, when Fender were making the Eddie Van Halen amps, when they were first bringing out the EVH range, they literally were being held up in production because Ed wasn't happy. They were having to send prototypes to him and he was having to sign them off. He was answering like customer feedback. It, <laughs> he was sending email. He was that involved. Normally when you get a signature model, you know, there might be obviously some input from the artists themselves, but not to that degree where he's there hands on making adjustments. Send me the pedal. I'm going to make a tweak. I'll send it back to you. He was so into that world that I think we've, as guitar players, we've all benefited from that because now the range of choice when you go to buy mm. pedals and amps is, you know, so different to how it would have been 30 or 40 years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Talking about manufacturing, um, is it fair to say that he was one of the first guys to use the Floyd Rose, you know, in terms of, you know, manufacturing parts for guitars? Because obviously that in itself is almost like an effect. Obviously on the Strat, I can't quite do the... Um, <laughs> It's quite hard to do on, on a Strat and get, you know, um, the big range of motion with it. But if I go crazy on my wah on the whammy bar, that's my guitar is just going to go miles out of tune. But on a Floyd Rose, obviously you've got the, um, uh, the locking nut mm. um, and obviously you've got two locking ends, haven't you? Yeah. For yeah. the string, so he can do all these crazy dive bombs. Was, was he the first guy to use the Floyd Rose? Well, I do know he adds patents. Um, and uh, oh, I should have done a bit more research on this. I know he had a patent on, on I think, on the headstock of a guitar, um, and he did have some sort of patent on on the uh, the bridge assembly or the uh, or the trem somewhere. Right. Okay. Um, but I'd have to look that up. But, uh, yeah, yeah. You tell these podcasters not rehearsed or anything like that. They're just straight <laughs> in, aren't they? But, uh, but yeah, yeah <laughs> he had three patents to do with the guitar. I, I do know that, so you'd have to look up and see exactly what they were. But yeah, he's probably got, a, like you say, Chris, is a massive, a massive deal to do with that old uh, trem system. Yeah, it he is. Still sounds as modern as any other player. Like you get guitar heroes like Jimi Hendrix. Um, mm. They sound like Jimi Hendrix. It's a dated sound. I mean, obviously Jimmy's not around anymore, so. We don't know. You, you know, he may have kept up with the Joneses. We don't know. Yeah. But, um, you know, you, you can get Steve Vai. You could get John Mayer or anybody, you know, a nowadays player. And Eddie Van Halen still sounds, you know, just well up there with them, doesn't he? He doesn't sound dated or, or anything. No. He's still, still current. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. And I think that comes from just that pioneering side of him and that that um constant drive to just sound as best as he can mm. i think mm. it's you either have that part of your mind or you don't and it's there's no right or wrong but some musicians are solely concerned with getting the music across and just crafting the song or whatever or just the performance part of it but i think he was just so well rounded because he was mm. so into every aspect songs had to be good the performance had to be good but the sound had to be good and the tone and the recording yeah you know the whole exactly. the whole and picture he wasn't just um a guitar player i think he was just an, an incredible musician and everything he did was to you know, for the benefit of the music he was writing mm. in van halen and um and it brings me on to another point as well um 
like uh, with Van Halen talking about songcraft and how there's another aspect of why he's such a great guitar hero is like he brought this sensibility of like pop music to rock. You know, you take songs like uh, Dance the Night Away or something, 79, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's an absolute ballad. But, you know, it, it's got the rock flavor, but it's got all the pop elements which make it catchy. And you go as far as something like uh, the song Jump and like in the chorus, how the, the guitars tie into the vocal melodies, like with the... Um, yeah. You know, yeah. he could have just played... You know, something like mm. that. But it was so melodic. Everything he chose to do was so melodic, um, which is why I think is another aspect of why he's such a, a great guitar hero. Um, Let's not forget as well that he was a... I think he was a pianist first. and mm. He actually he played, played drums. He played all the keyboard well, parts. So, you know, Jump, that's Eddie playing the synth part on that and the solo in that listen to that he took his almost it almost sounds like an eddie van halen tapping solo but played on a keyboard so it's got those big kind of sweeping yeah arpeggio type yeah. things to it really cool really cool actually you're right there chris about that he um when he the first with started, his brother eventually he did he? yeah 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 alex van halen it started on guitar eddie on drums and apparently when um alex van halen had a go playing wipeout they decided they should swap <laughs> <laughs> so th- th- that was a good move, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, so a bit like yourself, Phil, he was a multi-instrumentalist, you know, he played a variety of things, which shows his musicality, if anything. Um, so all the choices he People made for People call me guitar. a me- mental multi-instrumentalist. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> but I, I think anyway, it just goes to show um, that every th- it, all the choices he made for the guitar could be, you know, the manufacturing, the tone, everything was all to complement mm. the music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in turn, you know, it just made him a, a, an incredible guitar player, which everyone aspires to be in some way, even if they're not sure who he is. That they still do, like you said, Lee. Um, yeah, th- I think we're um, all we're all um, in debt to him. If you're a rock guitar player, there's no two ways about it. You are in debt to Eddie Van Halen, whether that be directly mm-hmm. or indirectly through other likes that you have other other guitar players. I, I I really was into and still am. I was really into Extreme. Nuno Betancourt. Mm. Mate, great band. Yeah. He he was like arguably more I felt like he was more of an influence on me, maybe because of the era in which I grew up and I just idolised and still do his guitar playing. But now with hindsight you can listen back and the more and more I explore Eddie's work, it's well, clearly you would not have Nuno without Eddie. He, he's mm, such yeah. a he he's the next part of the chain. And like you guys were talking in previous episodes about Steve Vai. Same thing. His mm. would you have Steve Vai today if it weren't for Eddie? I think Steve would admit that probably not, or he would at least look very different. His guitar playing would be quite different. You're listening to the Guitar Heroes podcast. You said like uh, Lee earlier um, that we've always kind of been aware of Van Halen, but not quite knowing it. But I think actually now, as a kid, I used to listen to Michael Jackson when I was a kid, and obviously Beat It was being one of the songs. Yeah. And hearing that solo, just going, oh, that's cool. Not really knowing who that is or anything. <laughs> I was just like, that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. even then as a non-guitar player, a fan of music, but um, kind of knew that was impressive at the time. And even now, like trying to play that solo, is, you know, it's tricky. It's not easy to get the nuances of Van Halen. You know, like in Eruption, there's so much swing to that solo. Mm. I know what you mean. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't conform, does he? To he, he doesn't conform to the sort of um, the typical guitar playing devices. He made so many things so personal that it is a very, very hard sound. Even if you're a capable guitar player in other aspects, 
Ed's sound is a very difficult one to recreate because it was so personal. He played mm. things that no one else really plays. He had this this feel, this style, and he used melodic ideas that don't fall within normal concepts of music theory. So if you learn yeah. guitar like most of us do, y- unless you really study his playing, you're, you're never going to sound. You're never going to be able to just play a few licks and sound like Eddie Van Halen, where I think there are other rock guitar players that... Even if you're not that into them, you could probably you could probably get by and do a, do a good impersonation of them. But he's mm. a very hard person to impersonate, I think. Yeah, and Chris has got the task of doing that next year in the show. So good luck with that, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned the solo to um to the song. Don't say, don't say, don't say the song. It's a surprise. Don't say the song. I'm not revealing anything. <laughs> not revealing anything. Good. Put your trousers um, back on. <laughs> <laughs> We had to get Chris, one of them in. Chris. Well, there we go. I think we should. I think we should wrap up because we've mentioned <clears throat> Eddie over the last few episodes, and obviously he's been in our minds of late because of his recent passing. It's very sad and a massive impact on the guitar community. It seemed only fair that we we dedicate this episode to him and kind of just air our thoughts on him. We haven't really prepared that much. We haven't gone away. I'm sure if you want to find out more, you can look it up online and of course go back and listen to the back catalogue. But that was just mm. us kind of musing over him and, and sharing our experiences. And I guess from now we'll, we'll move on and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take a look at some other guitar heroes and have a new guitar hero of the week, maybe next week. I think uh, the next podcast, is it Lee in the hot seat? Is it me? Yeah, it can I be me in the hot seat if you want. Because you, you, you don't talk enough, I think. <laughs> you need to have your own <laughs> section next week, I think, Lee. <laughs> I keep forgetting this is Chris's episode. <laughs> at least we got Chris's it's not corner. Really. I mean, in. It's, uh, we have um, <clears throat> we have everyone kind of leading at some point, but uh, I, I, up, I quite like just. To, I don't want everything. I don't want everything thrown at me, mates. So <laughs> don't deal with the pressure very well. <laughs> well, um, should we so, let? Um, should we try and let Chris wrap today up? Should, you know, he opened. The podcast so why don't we try to summarize chris managed to get a word in um, <laughs> <laughs> just for the one <laughs> shut up um okay so um van halen definitely uh, a massive guitar hero which influenced all the uh following guitar players to come uh, Vi- uh steve Vai, um nuno which you mentioned um just, just everyone, just an, a huge pioneer of not just um, guitar playing, but music, uh, songwriting, uh, s- guitar tones, uh, modifications to guitars, just had everything, was the whole package. And uh, if you're not a fan of uh, Van Halen um, or not aware of him too much, then I would suggest, you know, go away, have a good listen. Definitely with some headphones, don't listen on your phone. It's not the same experience. Do it how we did, you know, always headphones on and vinyl. And vinyl. That's I do not. I, I don't have it. any. I don't have any Van Halen vinyl. I must. Uh... I tell you what, then that's what we should do, Chris. The next time we go, um, if we ever get back into a gigging again, because <laughs> we, uh, uh, me and uh, Josh, um, our guitar tech, who's no longer with us, we used to go hunting uh, record shops if we had spare, you know, spare hour, you know, after setting up and what have you. We used to go around looking for record shops and these rare, you know, albums and that. So we must do that. We must all go out and look for Van Halen records. Definitely, that yeah. first and that first album. If the cover is such an iconic image, isn't it? Mm. That would make mm. a great piece of a piece in the collection. It's such a cool. I, c- I actually want it on the wall in here. I think that would be yeah. that'd be really cool. Yeah. It's such an iconic image. Sorry, it Chris, we interrupted yeah. again. 
<laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> but it was great to chat with you guys again. Um, Lee, do you want to jump on the socials? Do you want me to I do it? Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't remember what the socials are, to be honest. I don't have them written down. <laughs> well, well, I think I've mucked it up every I, other there's week a, There's well. an Insta thingy, isn't there? Or like uh, Facebook, Facebook. That's I don't the know. one. That's the one. <laughs> Facebook. So, yeah. Uh, if you want, to, if you want to get in touch, please do send us your comments and your messages. We do like to read them. And um, any questions you might have for any of us about anything we've discussed, please get in touch. You can find us on Instagram. Just search at Phil Walker Guitar, at Lee Troy Guitar, and at Chris Anthony Guitar. Did I get that correct, guys? Are we Absolutely. good? Absolutely, I don't good? know. So that's Phil Walker Guitar, Lee Troy Guitar, and Chris Anthony Guitar on Instagram. On Facebook, you can find us. It's Phil Walker Guitarist, Lee Williams Guitarist, and Chris Anthony Guitar. Are we all good? Yeah, <laughs> lovely. Oh, and the, the YouTube as well. I, I probably don't know what it is. No, it's <laughs> if you say, <laughs> Phil Walker Guitarist on YouTube. Um, and, of course, yes. we've got the thing that unites us all. We've got the guitar show which we can't wait to get back to. Mm. Uh, just search Story of Guitar Heroes on Instagram or Facebook, or you can head to www.storyofguitarheroes.com to yes. check out the official website and see some dates that we hope will go ahead when we can eventually get back to the thing that we love and get out there on the road and maybe take yes. you with us. Right. Well, well there we okay, go, chaps. Wonderful. Until next time, um, I'll see you guys soon. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for listening. And it's been a pleasure talking to you all as usual. And now I'm not going to go get dressed. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Bye. Bye. See you later, guys. Bye-bye. I've got a digestion. I think it's all the tea, Maria, in my coffee.